0: Welcome to the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. This is the place where we help young entrepreneurs and professionals to make, keep, and grow wealth that you can enjoy now and for years to come. I'm your host, Jack Gibson, a serial entrepreneur, founder of multiple seven and eight figure businesses and wealth building strategist. Each week, I'm gonna share my tips, resources, and secrets to help you create a plan and build the life you've dreamed of. When someone steals $500 from you in college, it hurts real bad i was reviewing my debit card statements and there appeared a charge for 500 dollars to styles and play which is an urban clothing store in jackson michigan come to find out now if you've ever seen my dress over the past two decades you'll probably quickly agree that styles and play is definitely not my style i was just getting going in my business so at that time i probably had i don't know three 000, four thousand dollars in my checking account total So that was a pretty large percentage of my net worth. The signature on the purchase was clearly not mine, and I still had the card in my possession. Something just wasn't adding up here. I'm sure the much improved fraud detection algorithm would have caught that today, knowing that that's not a place that I would have shopped, but back then, that was shit out of luck. When the card issuing company declined my reimbursement request, which today I still have no idea why, I took the clothing company to court, and the grumpy old judge barely let me share my story, and even he agreed, "Eh, that doesn't look like your signature. But at the end of the day, he said he couldn't or he just wouldn't rule for the store to refund my money. I kind of understood, because they weren't actually the ones that stole my money. I didn't know who to go after, so I took the <laughs> took the clothing company to court. Now, in my view, debit cards are absolutely terrible, not just because of a lack of protection like this, but there's the second strike against them. When I got out of college, I couldn't buy a home, even though I had plenty of cash to cover the down payment, plenty of earning power to qualify. I simply didn't have any credit. So I had to have my mom co-sign for me. (laughs) I even had to borrow a credit card from my roommate who was renting from me because he didn't have any money of his own. (laughs) It was totally messed up. So using debit cards is one of the key points to Dave Ramsey's advice. And I definitely agree. If you have clearly demonstrated you don't have the discipline and you continually rack up high credit card balances that you can't pay off that month then you should use debit cards until you get your shit together. Now, some of his advice is really, really good, and some of it's pretty bad. Now, you're probably going to think I'm a Dave Ramsey hater, and that is very far from the case. In fact, a lot of the foundational principles that I use in Indestructible Wealth are from Dave Ramsey. So, we'll take a look at key areas of his advice and break down which of his philosophies that I think are good and which ones I think are bad and why. Of course, most financial advice totally depends on your unique situation. So I'm just going off of my 25-year career of building wealth and what I've found from him that works and what doesn't work. So we're going to wrap up each review with a rating. He's either going to get a poor, an average, or an exceptional rating from Indestructible Wealth, which I'm sure that he could really care less what I think. (laughs) He's going to just go stack up his millions and millions that he gets every day. His first advice is to live below your means. Now, he's one of the most respected financial advisors in America today. And he's on tons of television shows. His books have sold millions of copies worldwide. His message is very simple. Get out of debt, save money, invest for the future. And of course, that's great advice. One of his most important tips for managing your finances is to live below your means. And this means, of course, resisting the urge to spend every dollar you earn on frivolous items. We've covered this multiple, multiple times on this show. Instead, focus on spending only what you need in order to cover your basic living expenses. Now, 100% agree that this is THE capital T-H-E First and most important step to building wealth. If you don't do this, everything else that I teach becomes irrelevant. It's very difficult for Americans to actually do it. And why we have so many that are in financial hot water being one paycheck away from financial disaster. So my advice rating on this, I'm going to give them five stars. Exceptional. Number two is pay off your high interest debt first. So this is another key tip that Ramsey recommends is to attack your high interest debt. Of course, I think this is great advice. His debt is dumb approach emphasizes paying off high interest debt as quickly as possible while living below your means and using cash instead of credit cards. He considers a high interest rate to be any interest rate above 8%, which I definitely agree with that as well. And there's some specific exceptions for lower rates, but things that have higher penalties. For example, Dave recommends paying off credit cards that have an interest rate of 6% if there's a penalty for late payment or other fees associated with it. Now, generally speaking, he recommends focusing on paying off high interest debt as soon as possible in order to reduce the amount of money you pay in interest and get out of debt quicker. So this includes things like credit cards, payday loans, car loans, and personal loans with variable interest rates. The higher the rate of interest, I mean, the more you're going to pay in finance charges over time, right? So this definitely going to result in more savings overall the faster you get rid of it. When considering whether something is considered to be high interest debt or not, he recommends evaluating not only the current interest rate but also any future increases. For example, on the variable rate loans that Could come into play before it's paid off completely additionally he encourages people to consider how much they're spending on fees and penalties associated with high interest debt such as late fees or penalty aprs if payments are missed all those costs add up quickly and should influence your decision about which debts are highest priority to tackle first and then finally when looking at what kind of interest debt you need to pay off first he suggests prioritizing those with shorter terms since they usually carry higher rates than longer term loans or credit card balances. Also keep in mind that different types of debt have different tax implications. For instance, student loan debt or mortgage interest on your home is typically tax deductible, whereas personal loan interest rate is not. So make sure you understand some of these nuances when creating your repayment plan as well. I would definitely say in all likelihood, Even if your student loan or your interest rate on your home is higher because of the tax write-off, you know, you may want to let those kind of roll later and attack the other forms of debt first. But typically, your student loan or your mortgage interest debt in your home is probably some of your lowest interest rates you're going to be paying on. So that's really not going to be a factor. Now, my opinion, couldn't agree more on this one. All of his advice when it comes to paying off high interest debt is totally on point. I'm going to give him a five-star review on his advice on this exceptional. Now, here's the problem, though. He says that all debt is bad except a mortgage on your home. And I totally, 100% disagree with this. In fact, just two weeks ago, our company, High Return Real Estate, closed on December 30th. Just in time, the investor wanted to get the purchase on the books for last year for tax reasons because you could depreciate items on the home and take 100% and save money on taxes. And this is a great strategy that people that are higher earners really want to start looking into. It's called cost segregation. Should do a totally separate podcast on that, except that might put you to sleep. So I haven't done it yet. <laughs> so we got this deal done for $1.2 million on December 30th. And that was all used almost 100% of it was done with other people's money did i use a little bit of my money a little bit but on on the whole almost the entire deal the properties that we purchased were using other people's money and then we flipped the package to a investor and i'm going to tell you we did really well on that deal so In that case, I'm going to give him all debt is dumb on that advice. He gets a one-star review. That's very, very poor advice for those that are looking to build wealth faster and leverage off other people's money. Again, that's not for everybody. For some people, that would never work. And that's really not the best advice for them to use debt because they may not be able to handle it. They may not make the right mistakes and it could become very costly. So. Debt, good debt in the right hands is a great thing. All right, so moving on. Next one, create a budget that works for you. One piece of advice that he offers for people looking to build wealth is to create a budget that works for them. While some people may be able to stick with a hardcore budget 100% of the time, for other people, that's way too restricted. It's like going on a really restrictive diet and they need a more leeway when it comes to their spending or their eating habits. This means setting up a system for tracking your income, expenses, savings goals, and debt payments so you know exactly where your money is going each month. It also involves creating rules for yourself about what you can spend money on and win, such as only buying necessities or limiting entertainment purchases in order to ensure that all your bills are paid first. Well, of course, makes sense. By doing this, you gain control over your finances and make sure that you're living within your means. I personally have found as I continue to grow, my income is that I'd rather just make more money than put myself on some type of restrictive budget. But when we were first getting going in, in our lives, and our, our businesses, and my wife started teaching, we were pretty careful and we had a strict budget that we stuck with. The key is finding something that fits your lifestyle, your income level, and your personality type. If you need help creating a budget or tracking your spending, there's many great tools available online, including an app called EveryDollar, which can help you get started. I use QuickBooks online for all of my bookkeeping and accounting purposes. It tells me everything I need to know with a couple clicks of a button for every business, for our household. I found it huge in helping me get clear of how each of my businesses are doing, including our household. Like, are we spending more money than we're making? It downloads my activity automatically from my bank, categorizes it as it learns my spending patterns, and with a couple clicks, I can get a profit and loss and balance sheet on every entity. Advice rating here? Yeah, I'll give him a five-star review. Exceptional. Next, invest into mutual funds. He has very strong opinions about investing in mutual funds, which he believes are a great way to diversify your portfolio while minimizing risk. I definitely disagree with this advice. If you want well-researched and non-biased view on mutual funds, read Tony Robbins' book, Money master the game. His follow-up book, which is much shorter than that, is called Unshakable. And both books are fantastic. I've read them both. I love them. And it really dives into why index funds have become so popular in recent years because more investors recognize their potential benefits over mutual funds. For starters, index funds typically provide a lower cost than mutual funds, like way lower. A lot of them have like 0.05% fees this is because they're passively managed they do not require the fees that are associated with active management that most mutual funds do well many actively managed mutual funds may charge annual fees up to four percent typical is about two percent like I said most passive index funds charge well a lot of them charge 0.2 percent or less this can result in significant savings for investors who choose passive strategies over the active ones Especially if you're investing large sums of money at once or you're investing for long periods of time as compound interest will play a larger role over time. And those fees really create a drag on your portfolio growth. Even a 2% fee has a huge drag. That's what you need to read that book so you understand how much difference uh, you know. even a 1% fee can make over the course of many years. Additionally, index funds offer great diversification and they eliminate the potential for an individual stock to significantly impact returns. Index funds are composed of a wide variety of securities, equities that track a benchmark index such as the S&P 500 or, for example, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. There's the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index, which pretty much has a, a tiny piece of every stock that's traded, which is the one that I typically recommend. This makes them much less risky than actively managed mutual funds since index fund managers do not attempt to predict market performance or make any significant changes to the composition of their portfolios. There's very little chance for underperformance when compared to mutual fund managers who attempt to time the market or otherwise trade in and out to try to maximize returns. And in the book, Money Master of the Game, he shows that over 90% of mutual fund managers cannot beat an index fund over a multi-year period. All in all, index funds offer investors an attractive combination of features that are not found in traditional forms of investing, low costs, diversification, reduced risk, and taxation advantages without sacrificing returns, these factors are why they're so attractive. Now, I'm giving an average rating to this advice. I'm going to give them two and a half stars on mutual funds. It's not terrible advice because, well, steadily and consistently investing in mutual funds is much better than not doing it. And that can certainly create significant wealth if you do it consistently and dollar cost average over a long time horizon. So, advice rating average. Next up. Buy term and invest the difference. Dave Ramsey's really big on making sure you have adequate insurance coverage. I totally agree with him on this. Insurance is going to help protect you and your family from unexpected financial burdens in the event of an accident or illness. One of his key pieces of advice is to buy term and invest the difference when it comes to life insurance policies. This strategy encourages people to opt for a low cost term life policy rather than a whole or universal life policy and investing any money saved into other investments such as stocks or mutual funds. Whole life insurance policies, also now commonly called infinite banking or privatized banking, offer more than just a death benefit. They also provide cash value that can be used for liquidity and financial stability over the course of your lifetime. For an entrepreneur, I think a whole life policy is critical because your natural inclination is to be risky because that's what helped you create success in your business. You took risks to do it. So you think that that automatically translates over into investing. And typically you get over aggressive. You think that you're better at investing than you really are because you've had success in a business and then boom that initial capital goes bust. So a whole life policy is a way to anchor your entire wealth building to protect you from yourself. (laughs) Now, whole life policies, I think, are superior to term life insurance in many ways. I mean, almost like 99% of term life policies expire and they never pay out. The guaranteed cash value accumulation is one of the huge advantages of a whole life insurance policy. This growth is tax deferred, and it allows you to tap that cash value through a policy loan or withdrawals. This added layer of financial flexibility is not available with a term like policy. Additionally, they offer a level of guaranteed death benefit that remains unchanged throughout the duration of the policy. So that means that you are absolutely guaranteed when you pass with a whole life policy provided that you've paid it up to date and you haven't defaulted or surrendered which is give essentially giving up your policy that you are guaranteed to get that death benefit to your heirs it's like buying net worth it's buying generational net worth Another advantage to the policies is their potential to build equity in your death benefit over time if dividends are high enough. The higher the rate of return on your premium payments and the ability to accumulate equity only adds to the overall value of this type of policy compared to term life. So I'm going to give him a a two-star review on this. I think buying term life is better than not buying any at all. But I do think that he's off on this advice because whole life policies are great for some people and I get for some, they're not. Advice rating, hmm, poor. Could improve on this one, buddy. Debt snowball method. One key piece of advice he offers is the debt snowball, which involves starting with your smallest debt and working your way up until all debts are paid off. The debt snowball method can help you pay off your debts quickly and efficiently. It's worked for a lot of people around the world. It involves starting with the smallest debt first, you make minimum payments on all the other ones, and you just go attack mode on the smallest debt. That's going to give you a feeling of success and confidence, and that's why they suggest doing it this way. Then you move on to the next largest debt and so on until all your debts have been eliminated. So. The debt avalanche is what I use, what I did when I was in debt many, many years ago. This is a method of paying up debts in which the borrower focuses on paying down the debt with the highest interest rate while making minimum payments on other debts. This approach results in usually fewer total payments, smaller overall interest charges, and a faster debt payoff. Now, the reason I preferred this method when I was paying off my debt is that it saves you more money over time due to reduced interest costs associated with the higher interest accounts. Pretty simple. But here's the deal. I know that Dave specializes in debt. He's helped thousands of people around the world to reduce their debt burden. I'm going to have to defer to him on this one. He has an incredible track record. I'm still going to give this about a three-star review because, well, I did the debt avalanche and that worked for me. All right, so let's wrap up of the six philosophies. These are his major pillars of his philosophy. Let's recap my overall indestructible take on each piece of advice. Only use debit cards. Terrible. Live below your means. Exceptional. Create a budget that works for you. Exceptional. Invest in mutual funds. Average pay off high interest debt, exceptional, pay off all debts, all debt is dumb, terrible, buy term and invest the difference, or the debt snowball method, average. So as you can see, there's several things I like about his philosophy. I've anchored my philosophy on a few of his pillars. And then there's others I've found over the course of time that just simply don't work for those that aggressively want to grow their wealth and to retire early, retire young. Hope you enjoyed this episode and my take on the famous Dave Ramsey. Love to hear your thoughts. So anytime you guys wanna hop on the Passive Income Playbook newsletter, you'll get every Saturday in your email inbox at noon Eastern time, you're gonna get my thoughts on building wealth. So hop on the newsletter, go to my site, myindestructiblewealth.com. And then as soon as you get there, you'll see the pop-up box. Just opt in. You'll also get, when you do that, my free ebook, 12 Dependable Passive Income Investments. Thanks so much for listening. Appreciate you guys. Always love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram. Send in some questions on email. Definitely love the conversation. Have a great day. That's a wrap for this episode on the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. If you'd like to dive deeper into your own wealth building strategy, check us out at myindestructiblewealth.com and follow along on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. Send me your questions and your financial challenges and I promise I'll respond. Also, I'll think you're really awesome if you'll share and leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, remember our mission here is to help you make, keep, and grow wealth you can enjoy now and for years to come.